Welcome to my favourite Beatles song, the podcast where we celebrate the music of the Beatles with a distinguished guest. Today my guest is Janice Mitchell. She's the author of a book called My Ticket to Ride, How I Ran Away to Meet the Beatles. Hello Janice. Hello. Calling from Cleveland, correct? Cleveland, Ohio. Yes. Yeah, and um, I must say I've just finished your book. It was a riveting read. Um, tells the amazing story of how at the age of 16, back in 1964, you ran away from home to find the Beatles in England. Yes, the Beatles just had blasted across the radio. So Beatlemania was just beginning. So I was there, you know, I'm a first generation Beatles fan. Uh, and so upon hearing their first song that hit the radio waves in Cleveland, I, uh, my friend and I, we, I, we became Beatlemaniacs like instantly that moment. So we started listening to their records, buying magazines, bubblegum cards. In those days, you know, there was no computers, there was no internet, no Google, no iPhones. The only way you could find out more about them is this way, you know, reading stories. We'd make up our own stories about the Beatles, you know, walking down the street hand in hand. And, um, oh, in, are you going to marry Paul or George is singing me a song? You know, those kinds of things. And um, we both kind of had unhappy home lives at that point. And I'm reading one of the Beatles magazines, and I read that the Beatles hung out in Soho in London. I couldn't believe my good fortune to find this out. I, I couldn't understand how could they put that in a magazine. Now everybody will know where they are. So I, I showed my friend. The, the story and I said look look at this golden nugget that I just found now we know where they are so we started talking about leaving home and going to where the Beatles music was born where the Beatles were born where life must be so wonderful and so beautiful and happy in comparison with my my life at that moment and I, I started calling it Beatle Land and I said let's go she said my friend said where I said Let's leave home. She thought I'm talking about New York City. And I said, oh, no, I'm talking about England. So that's where we first started. So we decided to begin our plan. And fortunately, my friend had a college fund. And she said she never has any plans to go to college, so we can use that. So during the summer, we made plans to uh, get our passports. And we bought our one-way TWA tickets to London. But during that summer, we learned that um, after the, the Beatles were on the um, Ed Sullivan show on February 9th, that was like the first time we could actually see them, you know, playing music and moving around. We had to wait for those things in those days. Ladies and gentlemen, the Beatles! <laughs> Then we learned that they were going to appear at Public Auditorium in Cleveland on September 15th and that you could win the chance to get two tickets. So we entered the contest. We each won letters to allow us to purchase two tickets. And we, went, we planned that we would leave the very next morning for London. Why wait any longer? So you got to see the Beatles live right in the middle of or right the beginning of Beatlemania in the U.S., the very beginning, yes. So this was September 1964. That's right. From the account in your book, they had to stop the concert for a moment. Oh, yes. Uh-huh. So 
So I had gotten our tickets to be front row center. We were like 10 feet away from the stage, you know, and there they were, live, huge, all of them, all four, you know, Paul, George, John, and Ringo right in front of us, but we couldn't hear a thing, of course. And all of a sudden, into the third song, all these girls and some boys, I'm sure, just began rushing towards the stage. It was like unbelievable. Screaming, yelling, crying, flailing arms. I was really shocked and quite disappointed that they were disrupting this concert that we had waited so long for. And then the police had to stop, had to stop it because it was getting totally insane. Uh, so they stopped it for about 10 minutes. And then um, they were able to resume again, and we were able to finish. The, everybody took their seats, and they were able to finish the concert, although we still couldn't hear anything. But I knew all the words to everything, so I'm just sitting there in my seat, looking up, you know, singing along, totally mesmerized in every way. And that was the, uh, the wonderful concert. And then, so the next day you flew out to, to leave your hometown and try and find the Beatles in England. And you're only 16, so, um, you know, how this happened, how you managed to live out there, uh, who you met, the people you met, it's a fascinating story. I'll put full details of the book in the show notes and I'll make a, an announcement at the end. But I want to focus on the song that you've chosen, which is the song that kicked it all off for you um, and the song that kicked it all off for the Beatles in America, I Want to Hold Your Hand. <laughs> It was released in the UK in November 1963. Beatlemania had already hit kind of in the UK well before the US, so it went straight to number one. In fact, it, it didn't go straight to number one. It, um, it was held off by She Loves You, which was at number one at the time, uh, and then went to number one after She Loves You. But it certainly was the first song to um, hit the charts in the US, and it stayed at number one for seven weeks. It also was included on Meet the Beatles, the first Beatles LP to make a splash in the US. So it really kicked off Beatlemania in America and therefore worldwide. But let's, I just want to talk a bit about your experience. But you heard it on the radio, didn't you, in your Christmas break 1963, is that right? That's right, December 26th. I'm fascinated by your description at the beginning of your book about how it impacted you because um, it certainly made an instant impression. You mentioned some of the other songs around at the time, perhaps Bobby Vinton, um, The Singing Nun, of course. And, and surely you knew about rock and roll. You'd heard Elvis, you'd heard The Kingsman with Louis Luai. But what was it, do you think, that made a, such an impression on hearing I Want to Hold Your Hand? Well, yes, the songs that were popular on the radio at that time were just songs that we, we could dance to. Well, except for the singing nun, Dominique, who, which was number one at the time, which tells you a little something about what was happening with music. Uh, but it wasn't really, didn't really give you any kind of a feeling of excitement or charged up or inspire you really to do anything. And uh, there was a new disc jockey coming from Chicago named Jerry G who was coming to Cleveland. And I remember thinking to myself, oh, I hope he brings some new records because in those days, disc jockeys could choose the records that they played, you know, during their um, radio shows. So they could really make, you know, uh, uh, groups or singers or not. So I turned on the radio 
I'm doing homework in the kitchen. I couldn't have been more bored, even though music was playing. And all of a sudden, I, I turn this, the channels, and Jerry G is on. He says, um, well, and here's a new group, the Beagles. And I said, the Beagles. And all of a sudden, I hear the very first chords to I Want to Hold Your Hand. And it just purely electrified me. Uh, the chords, the harmony, the electricity, uh, just the music, the way it moved, how exciting it was. It was like something, I had never heard anything like that before in my life. And I got, I was really, I jumped up out of my chair. And I picked up the transistor radio I was listening to and I put it right next to my ear so I could hear every single word, every note, every chord, every harmony. It was that, it was that exciting. It was that exciting. I'll never forget that moment. And then he, then the song was over, and he said, "And that's the Beatles from England." And I said, "Oh my gosh, the Beatles from England! This is incredible." And in those days, you could call the radio station and make requests. And I, re I grabbed for the wall phone, and I'm dialing on the rotary dial, the radio station, to ask if he could play that again. And it was just busy signals. I kept trying busy signals. And I thought, well, every kid in Cleveland must be calling the station asking him to play that again. It was that that exhilarating and that exciting. That It was the song that actually changed my life. Oh, absolutely, because it led to you leaving home and uh, and going on your adventures. And uh, you haven't seen what the Beatles looked like at this point. So it was, you know, the sound of it that excited you and made you sit up and listen and take notice. Purely, purely the sound. It's unusual in some ways. Um, for rock and roll, certainly at the time, rock and roll pre the Beatles had really been standard blues progressions or standard doo-wop harmonies. But this song, so it starts in G major, um, has some really interesting moments. I think one of the ones that certainly you can see when you see the films of people reacting to that in concert, the girls screaming and so on, when, when Paul and John hit that high, I want to hold your hand, that high F sharp is a real moment where people start to scream and the falsetto voices, I think, was part of it that, that gave it that. And it's on an unusual chord because the, the key is G and it hits a, a B7, which is uh, not a chord that's native to that key. Oh yeah, I tell you something Well, I think that that opening chord was just so, so unusual. You know, it just, I never heard it before. And the words, you know, I want to hold your hand. Everything, all the words in the song did resonate with me because I didn't really have a great childhood. You know, there was really very little love in, in my life. And at that time, in 1963, was uh, a pretty bad year. Uh, my great when I, I, my parents had abandoned us and I had um, been ripped away from my siblings at an early age. And then I went to live with my great aunt and my great uncle, who I had a wonderful relationship with, and my great aunt's daughter. And in 1963, my, my uncle Mac, uh, he died suddenly and uh, it devastated me. It really ripped my heart out. And then my great aunt started to become, she floundered in life. And uh, then on November 22nd was the day that President John F. Kennedy was assassinated. So the whole year was just 
really one of the worst years of my life, you know, as a teenager, and as most people would feel the same way. But he, Mac was, Michael Mac was really all I had. So when he was gone, basically, uh, I, I had nothing. So the Beatles telling me, you know, they want to hold my hand, I just felt like, oh my goodness, I need that, you know. What they're telling me is exactly what I needed. And I just could not believe that they were talking to me in that way. How did they know me so well? As well as the excitement generated by the rock opening and the, you know, the, the driving rhythm, there's also a moment of tenderness in the song in the bridge when they move key from G to C, which is the fourth above, but especially how they do that through the D minor chord, which leads to that section um, and when I touch you, I feel happy inside. I wanna hold your hand. And when I touch you, I feel happy inside. It's such a feeling that my love I can hide, I can hide, I can hide. Beatles songs were all about love and relationships, you know, and they didn't mind exposing tender feelings, you know, of all kinds. And I think that that's one of the most beautiful things about them and their, their songs. As I said, it seems to have hit people in different ways because you had a very personal linking in with those lyrics and the sound of it. I mean, just some of the famous people who've talked about it. So uh, Bob Dylan has said that he, you know, when he heard it, he thought, wow, this is outrageous. The chords they're using are outrageous. So he had a musical take on it. Bruce Springsteen um, said it shook him up. He said, I immediately demanded that I get out. And I ran to the bowling alley, ran down along the onlit aisle um, and to the phone booth and immediately called my girl and asked, have you heard this band called The Beatles? All the girls at school, I was going to Catholic girls' school at that time. And even the nuns loved the Beatles. The point you made about the Kennedy assassination, it was at the right time because something joyous came along that helped America move on from that tragedy. Do you think that's the case? Yes, I really think that we were so desperately in need of something hopeful and happy. And there, there came the Beatles, you know, singing to us. I wanna hold you. And the impact was enormous. So we know that Beatlemania kicked off then from January onwards. 1964 could have, was all about the Beatles in America. At one point, astoundingly, in April 1964, the Beatles had the top five single places on the US chart with Can't Buy Me Love, Twist and Shout, She Loves You, I Want to Hold Your Hand and Please Please Me, um, all in the top five, which is incredible. And that's never been done since. You went on your adventure late in 64 and you were actually in your book, you talk about trying to find the Beatles and you were looking around them. How long did you stay in London? 23 days. And unfortunately, the police caught up with you because at the time the, the press were following this, weren't they? There were press stories in the US and, America, uh, US and the UK. Which I had no, no idea about whatsoever. I, hadn't, I didn't know that anybody was looking for us at all. So it was quite, quite shocking. Because when you got back, um, one of the reasons for the subtitle of the book is that you actually, I'm not going to put it on your shoulders, but um, for a little while, rock and roll gets banned in Cleveland as a result of your adventures. Yes. It was quite, it was one of the newspaper headlines, you know, that Beatlemania is, is banned and rock and roll is banned because of, you know, I guess we 
got that that movement started. <laughs> I felt very responsible. <laughs> it is ironic that later it becomes the home of the um, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So uh, it didn't last too long, that band, did it? No. Because the Beatles came back in 1966 and performed performed here. <laughs> so the band was lifted. I think it was more to make a statement about rock and roll music and the impact that it had you know, on children. Yeah. And did, did you stay um, a Beatles fan after um, what must have been a disappointment, I suppose, although you had a lovely adventure and you seem to recall it all very fondly? I've always been a Beatles fan. I Want to Hold Your Hand, for me, is like a dear old friend because that's the beginning of the relationship, really. But I, I this may not be popular, but I love an album called Introducing the Beatles. Uh, they have so many wonderful songs that are, you know, without all the technological advancements, you know, like uh, Listen, Do You Want to Know a Secret, A Taste of Honey, Anna, uh, it Please Please Me is on there as well. And I have to say that that's a song that, that's an album that really resonates for me. But then, of course, Meet the Beatles, that was the first album I ever bought because I Want to Hold Your Hand is the number one, you know, track on that. But then, you know, I, I love... Uh, something and i love norwegian wood i've loved that song in particular for many years and there's a quote from lennon actually about i wanted to hold your hand he said we wrote a lot of stuff together one-on-one eyeball to eyeball like in i want to hold your hand i remember when we got the chord that made the song we were in jane asher's house jane asher was paul's girlfriend at the time downstairs in the cellar playing on the piano and we had oh you got that something and paul hits this chord and i turn to him and say that's it do that again in those days, we really used to absolutely write like that, both playing into each other's noses. I know, you can just see it in your mind, down in the basement, you know, just working so closely together, how beautiful that must have been. And, and later, Lennon said, when he was interviewed in the 1970s, he was asked about his favourite songs by the Beatles, and he, he picked um, Strawberry Fields and Help and I Am The Walrus, but he also picked I Want To Hold Your Hand. Uh, he said it was for its raw authenticity, and uh, I think you picked up on its rawness, its energy, and the song's sentiment. He said, we wrote that together, it's a beautiful melody. I might do that and help again, he said, because I like them. I sing them, you know, they're the kind of songs I like to sing. I wanna hold your hand. I wanna hold your hand. Well, it's a wonderful story. Um, and one that you go into great detail about in your book. How can people get hold of it? I mean, it's available on Amazon.com. Also, I have a Facebook page that you can go to um, for my book. And it's called My Ticket to Ride, How I Ran Away to England to Meet the Beatles and Got Rock and Roll Band in Cleveland, a true yeah. story from 1964. Author Janice Mitchell, published by Gray & Company. Just hope that you will enjoy the ride. I, you know, it's you're kind of with me as I go along through the whole adventure, which is all true stories. And uh, there's a lot of newspaper coverage because during that time, as I said, we didn't know that the newspapers were, you know, onto us. And uh, at the police station, that's where I first learned uh, that we were being sought after and how popular we were. And I said, well, why is that? He said, because of the Beatles. So he showed, the police officer showed me some newspapers. He said, look at this. 
And I was astounded. And um, we had to be transferred to the United States Embassy, uh, have all the arrangements made for us to come back. And the legal counsel for the United States Embassy said, you've done nothing wrong here. So you're here legally. So I want everybody to know that we were there legally. Um, and But it was the Cleveland Heights Police Department that were requesting Scotland Yard and the State Department and the embassy to have us come back home, <laughs> which I didn't want to do. <laughs> I planned to live there forever because London felt like home to me right away. And Liverpool, I just loved the whole feeling of Liverpool. And when I did go back in 2018, it felt even more like home than I ever remembered. So uh, I can't wait to come back again. Oh, that's lovely. And one of, yeah, the, the newspaper cuttings are um, really interesting. And you found out that the Beatles were also on the lookout for you through one of those stories, right? Well, when I was doing more research, finding more newspaper articles for my book, that was when, just about two years ago, I found two newspaper articles from that were in London uh, that made me so angry and so upset I could hardly contain myself. I read that the Beatles manager, which we all know that that was Brian Epstein, had arranged to have Paul McCartney on standby to come over and say hello and goodbye to us before we were, we were leaving. I couldn't believe it. And the embassy made a statement saying, well, we said no because we didn't want to encourage the girls. And I thought, well, how much more could we have been encouraged, you know? And I remember begging the uh, the embassy guy, Mr. Lillianfeld, couldn't you, you know everybody, couldn't you just pick up the phone and make a phone call? Can't we just speak to them while we're here? And he, he just barely wouldn't even answer me. So when I read that, I got on the internet and I tried to find Mr. Lillianfeld because I was going to write him a very strong letter, you know, right now. But all I found was his obituary. <laughs> and and by another quirk of fate, when you did come back in 2018, Paul McCartney was also in Liverpool at the time. Oh, my goodness. In Liverpool, I had gone on a Beatles tour. And one of the guys I met on the tour, he texted me and he said, Paul McCartney is, you know, I was going to the Albert Dock. I said, Paul McCartney is on the Albert Dock right now doing carpool karaoke with James Corbin. Can you get over there? Well, I was at totally the opposite end of the Albert Dock. And you know, the Albert Dock is miles and miles long. And even if I had picked up a helicopter and gotten down there, I don't think I would have got there in time. So that was another near miss, you know. Janice, thanks so much for coming on the show and talking about your experiences. Thanks for having me. And good luck with the book. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to my favourite Beatles song. I'll be publishing new episodes every two weeks, so please subscribe through your favourite podcast provider to get episodes as they're released. If you like the podcast, please leave a review or rating as this helps us to reach new listeners. You can follow the podcast on Facebook and Instagram at My Favourite Beatles Song and Twitter at My Fave Beatles. See you next time. Oh.